dear brothers and sisters who belong to Jesus Christ, to live is to build. Each day, through your choices and habits, each day through our choices and habits, we are building up a life. It's a little like a stonemason builds up a house. Each day, we are adding bricks to our, the house that is our life. You can't check out of this process, and you can't defer this building responsibility to someone else. To live is to build. We are all building a life. And it's serious business, really, this building a life. Serious, first of all, because you have to live in the house that you build. If you cut corners now, future you will have to deal with a leaky roof or a faulty foundation. Or if you start bad habits now, future you is going to have to, at some point, wrestle your way out of that bad habit. It's also, a serious, it's also serious business, this building a life, because the world is hard on lives, just as it's hard on houses. Wind, rain, floods, persecution, sickness, betrayal. How will your life fare when hardship hits? These are the kinds of questions and conversations that Jesus wants us to have as we reach the end of his sermon. He ends his sermon by imploring us to, to, to build wisely, to be men and women who build our lives on his teaching and his word. Everyone who hears these words of mine, says Jesus, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. It's a super simple little parable. It features two builders. One is a wise builder, the other is a foolish builder. They both have access to the same blueprint and design. They both hear Jesus' words with their ears, but only one follows, follows through and builds to code. Only one moves from hearing to doing. That's the wise man who built his house upon the rock. Whereas the other tries his luck on the sand. And the house on the sand went I love the piano noise you added to that, John. That was perfect. And the question that Jesus wants us to ask, ask ourselves today is, what kind of builder are you? What kind of life are you building? For the last nine months, we've been listening to Jesus. We've been going at a snail's pace, really. Each verse, each text, slowly unpacking Jesus' word to us. We've heard with our ears. And if you couldn't join us on Sunday morning, then you still have your Bibles. The Sermon on the Mount is in there. Jesus' wise counsel is not hidden behind firewalls. You don't need a monthly subscription to access his design for life. A quick Google search will land you 50 different translations of the Sermon on the Mount. And on top of that, you could probably find 50 online free commentaries to help you unpack Jesus' sermon. And all of it is free. We all have free access to this design for life 
to, to live a life that, that lasts and is secure on the rock. We have heard with our ears. Now what? Will you wisely put this teaching into practice and so build up a life that lasts? Or will you say simply, oh, good sermon, Jesus. Very inspiring, especially that bit about loving your enemies. Very challenging indeed. And then go on living life however you please. You can see Jesus' heart for his disciples here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's not threatening them with this parable. He's simply describing reality, and he's imploring them, just like Moses implored the people of Israel way back in Deuteronomy. He's imploring them to to choose life, to to take these words and to to chew on them and and to put them into practice in their life so that they might have life. That's Christ's desire for his disciples. He wants them to become fully alive, to live lives of purpose, lives that are mature. He challenges them because he loves them. And what good words these are. I mean, these... These are words to live by, words that lead to life. And I'm, I'm just going to do a quick overview of the entire sermon. And um, as I do, I'm going to use, I'm going to be painting a portrait for you of a man who builds their house upon the rock. And I'm going to use masculine pronouns today to describe this person because it's Father's Day. And wouldn't we be blessed as a community if I and the other fathers and men of this church took the lead in putting these words into practice. But of course, this teaching is not just for men, it's for all people. How happy, how blessed in God, who, how blessed in God is the person who, who comes to him empty-handed, knowing himself to be poor in spirit. He will be filled up. This person weeps over the brokenness he finds in his life and in the world, and he receives comfort in the gospel of Jesus' death, resurrection, and imminent return. He has learned to think of himself uh, uh, not more highly than he ought, but is content to be a meek servant of the Lord. This person hungers and thirsts for things to be made right in himself and also in the world around him. And in the end, when God's kingdom comes, he will be finally satisfied. He is so gentle and patient with others, extending mercy and grace. This person's singular passion in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And he receives the desire of his heart. He is a peacemaker, not just a peace lover or a peacekeeper, but his art form is to enact peace in in all the areas of his life. He endures persecution with joy, knowing that his Savior and Lord endured persecution for his sake, too. This person accepts the scriptures as God's word and and accepts Jesus' interpretation of that word as authoritative. He not only refrains from breaking the sixth commandment, do not murder, but is actively seeking to root out hatred and anger from his heart. He not only is refraining from committing adultery, but is fighting off lust like death, and he is faithful to his spouse till death do them part. 
When this person speaks, he doesn't twist or manipulate his words. You can always count on him to tell the truth. He refuses to fight back and insists on repaying evil with good. This person is growing in their capacity to love as God loves, which means loving friends and enemies. He prays for those who persecute him and blesses those who um, curse him. Well aware of the dangers of hypocrisy, this man chooses to practice his faith in secret more than he practices in public. When he gives, when he prays, and when he fasts, he makes sure that no one is watching except the one who sees what is done in secret. He forgives, just as God in Christ forgave him. This man's life is not defined by the pursuit of things that rust or are chewed away by vermin. Rather, his sights are set on heaven, and instead of wasting time worrying about what he will eat and drink, or about his body and what he will wear, he trusts God and seeks first God's kingdom, knowing that God will provide for him every step of the way. This man doesn't peck away at the faults of others. He knows that's a game that everyone loses. Instead, he focuses on his own sins and invites others to help him grow in holiness. And as he walks this path of holiness, he becomes an encourager to others who are walking with him. Not content to sit on his hands, this man pursues the things that matter in life. He asks, he seeks, he knocks, he steps out in faith, trusting that as he does, and finding as he does, that God gives, that God answers, and that God opens doors. It's not hard to spot this man. He's easy to find. Though his faith and witness is not flashy, his life is directed towards a singular goal, Jesus Christ and the narrow way that leads to life. And when the season is right, you will find the fruit of righteousness hanging from his branches. His house is always full of guests. The neighbors flock there during the storms because his house is built on solid rock. Wise is the man who builds on solid rock. This, it's a picture of how life is meant to be lived. It's a portrait of maturity, a portrait of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and to have him be Lord over your life and so reshape your living in the world. The psalmist says, and, and I mean, and it's a picture too of, of, of blessedness. The psalmist says, how, how happy, how blessed is the one who avoids the seat of the scoffers and the sinners, and how happy is the one who simply delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night, puts it into practice. They will be like a tree planted by streams of water. To embody Jesus' sermon, is to live in sync, not just with Christ's will, but the grain of creation, and to harmonize with the coming kingdom of God. And that's where you want to be, right in that sweet spot. And the best example I can give you today of someone who lived this way every day of their life on earth, it was Jesus Christ himself. 
He put his preaching into practice. And you can see this all along the way. I mean, was there any, ever anyone so pure in heart, so content to be on mission with his father and to fulfill the task laid out for him? He humbly got in line with all the other sinners who were going out to, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And there the father filled him up with his spirit. In the desert, he was tempted by the devil, but he didn't succumb to temptation there. Instead, he responded calmly and clearly with the word of the Lord, his only weapon. He showed mercy to a woman caught in adultery, and yet, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, he drove the money changers out of the temple courts. Jesus was a maker of peace. That was his art form making peace. He made peace between heaven and earth and through his, blood, through his blood, which he poured out on the cross. And he makes peace now between you and I and through Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free. He tears down the walls that divide us and he makes peace. It looked like Jesus' house had been taken down by the floodwaters of sin and rebellion. It looked like his house was a goner. But in reality, all the storms did was reveal that Jesus' life was rooted on a much deeper and much firmer strong, strong foundation. His house was built upon the source of life itself, and God raised him from the dead. And now he calls to us, and he pours out his spirit upon us, and he adopts us into his fellowship. And he invites us into this process of reshaping our living so it's patterned after his. And he says, come and join me. Come and join me in living this life that matters. Come and be wise and build your house upon the rock. Join me in being salt and light in this spoiling and dark world. Put into practice my words, and so become a neighborhood that gives glory to the architect and builder. This is a call to action, and I want you to hear it today. But I also know as I say this call to action that it's a lot easier to listen with our ears than to have our living transformed. I mean, it's one thing to buy the treadmill, it's another thing to actually get on the treadmill, right? Or it's one thing to have healthy food in your house. I go to the grocery store, I'm like, just healthy stuff this week, just healthy stuff. Come home and the healthy stuff sits in the fridge. And meanwhile, I make another trip back to the store to buy a bag of chips or something, right? It's one thing to have healthy food. It's another thing to actually eat it. And it's one thing to have this rock-solid building plan, to have it in our scriptures, to even memorize it and have it in our mind, but it's another thing to actually follow through and build according to plan. And I know it, I feel it in myself too. Just because we spent nine months studying the Sermon on the Mount doesn't mean that we're going to instantly become a community of wise men and women. It takes practice, it takes time, and perhaps all I can ask from you today, and I will ask this, is. Give it your heart and your devotion. Make steps 
to follow through. God doesn't ask for fast progress. What matters is that we stay on this narrow path and allow Jesus to continue to reshape our living with his words. And we do this in such a safe, safe place. It's not as though we have to get to a certain point before God our Father accepts us as his children. Rather, the acceptance comes first because it was Christ, our perfect righteousness, who was first obedient. And now he transfers that to us so that we are, before even doing anything, we are children of God. That's the safe place we get to embark on this journey from. And I'm, I'm thinking now, even just as a father in my own household, um, I'm watching currently my daughter Abigail learn how to crawl. She's not there yet. She's still kind of just lunging a bit and every now and then just falls flat on her face. But she's getting there. It could happen today or tomorrow or probably sometime this week. And as her father, I want to see her make progress and encourage her on this pathway of crawling. Because I know that once she learns how to crawl, then she's going to start learning how to walk. And, and eventually I want her to do all those things. I want to cultivate her living so that she becomes mature. But along the way, what a joy it is to watch her learn and to try. I mean, when she falls flat on her face, I don't know, you know. Get up, baby, try again. Like, it's just, it's so joy-filling to watch her try. And when she falls, I say, oh, that was so awesome. Now let's get you up and you can try again. And I wonder if maybe that's the perspective we need to have as we think about the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' gracious invitation for us to practice. is that we do that as children in the household of our Heavenly Father. And man, every time we make little, little steps of faith and, and get out there, oh, he is so delighted, so delighted to see us trying. And he's there to encourage us and to pick us up. And we're there for each other too. This is a communal task to, to put into practice these words. How can together we help each other move towards maturity in the faith, lives that are built on the rock. And over time, with prayer, practice, and support, you will be amazed at the transformation that can take place in your life. And that is amazing. And I wonder today, to finish this sermon, and this, we're, going to, uh, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And I ask you in that prayer uh, to let Jesus point out to you perhaps a section in the Sermon on the Mount that he's calling you to, to start crawling towards, to put your focus on and, and to slowly learn to walk in. Um, you can't master it all in one day or one week, but slowly, uh, as Christ leads, that we can learn to crawl and then to walk. So let's enter that time of prayer now. Lord Jesus, 
You walked the narrow way that leads to life, and you brought all of us with you, and now have imparted to us through faith your righteousness. You've also poured out your Spirit upon us to give us the power we need um, for this journey. And you call us and say, come and follow me. And we know, know, Lord, that at the center of your will is this sermon where you highlight what it is to live a life that pleases you, a a life that is um, rich in God, rich in the things of God. And we, your people, Lord, want to move that direction and continue so for the rest of our lives. So I ask, Lord Jesus, in this time of prayer, that you um, minister to our hearts and our minds and point out a section that, of your sermon that you want us to take home and, and begin to practice this week. And I wonder, Lord, as you direct us um, towards something in particular, if if there's a person um, that we can share this with that might be able to hold us accountable on this journey, I pray that you bring that person to mind, too. Be near to us, Heavenly Father, as we crawl towards maturity. We delight in the reality that you so enjoy our attempts at faithfulness. And I pray, Lord, that as this, um, this word has been given to us and maybe a face that, uh, that can help us uh, be accountable um, to moving forward, I pray, Lord, that... Um, You give us the courage we need to build wisely and to give this a try this week. And so, in some small way, put this teaching into practice. And help us all, Lord, to grow to become like a lighthouse, a beacon of light, a house built on a rock, a shining city on a hill that bears witness to your good design and your glory, honor. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.